Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the 6 a.m. Run podcast. I am your host, Mark Paisan. Thanks so much for joining me. I appreciate it. We have a really good show for you this week. This show is brought to you by 6 a.m. Run and 6amrun.com. Head over to 6amrun.com for a chance to sign up and get 20% off of your order. This week, we have the privilege of welcoming Roxanne Chaput to the show. And I'm going to spell that last name, C-H-A-P-U-T. And like me, it is a French last name. Roxanne, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go ahead and just introduce yourself for everyone? Absolutely. It's such an honor to be here today, Mark. So thank you for that. So yes, my name is Roxanne Chaput, and I am a celestial guide, celestial and generational earth shaman, as well as an inspirational speaker and host of Soul to Soul with Roxanne. (laughs) And Soul to Soul. I like that name. What do you usually talk about on your show? All about our soul and self-mastery journey. How can we progress? How can we heal through? And how can we continue to evolve throughout our journey? That is amazing. And I see a lot of the certifications you have and a lot of the things that you're involved with includes the word coaching. Do you describe yourself as a coach? Do you look at yourself as a coach? Like, How do you use that word? How does that make you feel if anybody were to see coach next to your name? How does that make you feel? Yeah, like I love coaching. I love the word coach. It just doesn't feel in resonance with what I do. I believe it's more of like a mentorship and of Mm. guidance. And I love the coaching element. And I think that it's important to understand, you know, how we can help guide others in every facet of their life and not just in the spiritual element. So for me, it's just about being that mentor and being that guide opposed to just being the coach and dictating what their plays are going to be, but allowing them to be able to determine that within themselves and to figure out their own place throughout life. And that was the reason I asked that question. I, I had a feeling you may have thought that way because always when we, even with the term or the title coach, the best ones are the ones that really see themselves as, as more of a partner, as more of a mentor as more of someone that might show you the journey, but not walk it for you. So I I appreciate you answering that. And let's jump right into this. You speak a lot about the soul. You speak a lot about the soul's purpose. Kind of a two-part question. How do you describe someone's soul and what is the purpose of their soul? Absolutely. So this is such a great question. And I'm so happy to share that finally science has caught up with spirituality in this sense, and that it actually has been confirmed that we have a soul. So for me and for anyone, the soul can be different, whatever they believe it to be. But for myself, what I believe the soul is, is our life source. It is the energy that is within us. It is the biggest entity of who we are. And it's what has cycled through lifetimes and lifetimes of generations to come. So for me, that is our joie de vivre. That is our life. That is our life source. And our energy and our soul is everything. Without our soul and energy, there is no life. And when we think about the concept of energy never dies in the scientific world and in the religious beliefs, is that means that our soul goes somewhere and it grows and it continues to evolve after this physical form. That's amazing to hear. And in a lot of the, the work you do, or a lot of the, the words that you use with the work you do, include the verb awaken. 
And is that a lot of your work where you help people to awaken their soul to see their full potential? Is that a lot of the work that you do? Absolutely. So my soul's mission is to guide others to heal and to love themselves enlightenedly and to guide them to their awakenings, to who they truly are at the soul essence and not at the physical or the intellectual or the emotional body of who they are. But what is their soul's purpose? What was the soul contract that they had that they really wanted to experience throughout this life? How did they want to come here and serve humanity? What did they want to do before they were conditioned or programmed to think that they needed to do something or follow a certain career path or educational path and to really kind of be present within themselves and to truly follow where they're being called and navigated to actually go. That's awesome. And just so everybody knows, we were speaking before the show and Roxanne is a runner. She does enjoy running. And and I kind of want to ask you this question because we have a lot of runners that listen to this show and people who like to stay physically fit kind of tell me how do you use running like how does running make you feel when you're out there it's just you a good pair of shoes some training clothes and the pavement or the trail like how do you use that for you know to improve your soul to make you happy how does that work for you I find running so freeing. I find when you run just the sense of freedom that you experience and the air that you're breathing in and the breathing techniques that we use when we're running because everything is connected to our breath. When we are breathing in the correct way and when you're running and you have your breath down pat and you're, you know, you're running towards that running high and you just feel so liberated, all your worries kind of my worries just go to the wayside and I can just focus on where my energy is today. How do I feel today? What do I need to know today throughout my day? How can I be more present in where I am in this moment of my breathing and of my thinking and of my feeling? So running to me is very freeing. I could not agree anymore because it's one of those exercises that it's right outside. Literally, it's grab your shoes and go. There's no real equipment needed. It's just you and the world. Yeah. And I find like listening to great music when you're Mm -hmm. running and just feeling like you're just releasing so much energetically when you're running is just, it's such an incredible feeling. And speaking of energy, so I kind of want to jump on that real quick. And I've kind of gone through this in the last year, gone through this kind of I don't know if I want to call it awakening. I don't want to make it seem that dramatic, but I've learned to kind of notice my energy levels and notice what makes me feel good, what brings positive energy into my life, when I can expel positive energy. When you speak to people, when you mentor them, when you coach them, and one of their biggest issues is that they can't really see the positive energy in themselves or they can't see the positive energy in the world. Tell me what that conversation is kind of like. How do you help them realize, just recognize their potential and all the good in the world? How do you do that with them? 
Absolutely. And I think it's really important to preface that awakenings isn't just a one time, one Mm -hmm. and done. It's we have continual awakenings throughout the entirety of our journey. We can be, you know, as far as long and as healed as much as possible and still have another awakening period. And awakening periods don't need to be brought on by something dramatic or anything of that nature. It's just having that realization and that activation within us that there's a misalignment that's happening and that we're starting to tune into our intuitiveness and our knowingness. So when we think about the concept when people have disrupted energy and my clients are you know, exuding negative energy or that they're only able to absorb energy or to be able to see negative energy, that to me tells me that there are traumas lying within the energetic bodies of who they are. So when we think about traumas, I don't want people to think that it has to be something that is catastrophic. It can be little minute things that have built over time that have really caused an imprint or disruption within our energy field. It could be one word that we were called that we held on to for 30 or 40, 50 years that really has prevented us from really being ourselves and really just being able to honor ourselves in the way that we are, in the way that we are seeking acceptance. So when people have these disruptions within their energy field and they have these traumas, the most important part, and this is why the coaching element and the coaching certifications were so important to me, is that I wanted to be able to heal all facets of a person. And I worked in healthcare for over 13 years with neuropsychologists, psychologists, and social workers. So I have a very good understanding of how our intellectual body works. So for me, it was to understand how do we heal the emotional body? How do we heal the physical body? How do we then go into the spiritual body? So instead of just going into the energy, understanding that's where the disruption is happening, all these symptoms that are showing up in our emotional body, our physical body, our intellectual body, you know, showing up as body aches or illness within our physical body, or we have intellectual illnesses of mental health crisis, anxiety, depression, it's all stemming from trauma that we've been privy to in our energy field. So when we understand that, what I do is like I work backwards. I start from the physical, then we go to more of the emotional, then we go to the intellectual, and then we go to the spiritual component, the energetic component. And we remove that disruption and we remove the root. And once you remove that root, then that activation and those triggering moments of anything that can transpire throughout your life, instead of being in a place of reactivity, we are in a place of acceptance and of accountability. So when we're able to shift those dynamics, the energy automatically shifts ourselves because we can no longer sustain and have sustainability within just that negative energy in the entity understanding that the negative energy is also important, that we do have the positive and we do have the negative, we do have the dark and we do have the light. And we do need that duality. We need that polarity. But one shouldn't over exceed another or supersede the other. They should be in combination of flow. So what I heard there, and that was a wonderful answer, is that there is two things, actually. There's no one size fits all for everyone. There's not that. And This is a process because what you're saying is that, you know, they're perpetual. They don't just happen at one time. It's not this life-changing event. It happens over time. It can happen multiple times. But to kind of get people to truly understand and, and see positive light, positive energy, this process takes time. Is that correct? 
Yes. And if we think about it, the trauma that we've experienced throughout our bodies, childhood, whatever not, right? Whatever we were exposed to that really allowed us to lose our self-worth or self-value or to lose that knowingness of ourselves. Because as small children, we always understood who we were. We were very connected to our soul presence. We were very connected to our emotions. It's the programming and the conditioning throughout the cycles of life that have really transpired that kind of disconnected us from our emotions and from our soul. So when we think about that concept, these traumatic experiences or these traumas to the body, these injuries to the body, and not just the physical body, to all the bodies, has happened over time. So it'd be unrealistic to think that in one day that you're going to be healed. It takes a period. And even, you know, being a healer myself is that I'm still finding activations I didn't even know were there because they were so buried within my subconscious levels that I didn't know until I was triggered. And you can't know something until it happens. You don't know that there's a trauma there until you're activated, until you're triggered. And then that's when you're able to actually deal with it. We can't be cognizant of something that we are unaware of. And with this, it sounds like you have really either from either you're born this way or you've kind of learned it over the years is you've really stepped up your empathy. Like you really have, I can tell the way you're speaking, the way your energy is right now, the way I see you is that you tend to try your hardest to see through other people's lenses, basically. And, you know, for a person listening who maybe lacks empathy, who can't really get out of their own way when it comes to trying to feel what another person's feeling, you know, kind of talk to us about how you look at empathy, how you've worked on it over the years, or is this something that you've always had? Yeah, I've always had empathy. Ever since I was a little girl, I had a very profound knowingness of energy and was very receptive to energy. I could literally read someone's entire soul and every traumatic experience that they've went through or where they were struggling just by looking at them as a small child. And adults would come to me for guidance and come to me for wisdom as a five, six-year-old child and just share their entire life story with me. And my mom would always be taken back and be like, oh my goodness, like you're an old soul or a wise soul or whatnot. Like you should be a psychologist or, you know, a counselor. But that just didn't feel in alignment for me. But for me, what empathy is, is to understand that we are all divinity. We are all divine connection and we are all interconnected as one. When one of us is hurting, we are all hurting at the fundamental of who we are. But we're so conditioned to not feel anymore and just to worry about ourselves and that we're not being built in community anymore. We're being built in silos. We are built in segregation. Your family is your family opposed to being how we used to function. We used to function as tribal communities, as communities and serving one another and having empathy, compassion, and love towards one another. And as human beings, this is the integrity of who we are. Even though we do have our dark thoughts, we do have our dark emotions, and that's part of the physical experience. But it's to know that we are all equal. We are all love and we are all light. And when somebody else is affected, it doesn't take very much if we can remove those traumas, remove those activations of desensitization, we're then able to see from someone else's perspective. Take a walk in their shoes. How could they have gotten there? How can that person who's a drug addict or homeless, how could they have went on that path? 
you know, and it's not just like, oh, they just want to, you know, they don't want to whatever, whatever the reasons may be, but being able to look at someone and be like, I can't imagine what life you had in order for you to be where you are today. What has impacted you that you didn't have that guidance? You didn't have that love. You didn't have that support system. When you have everything growing up and you're never raised in lack or scarcity, you never understand that somebody else can be. That was so well put. And it's amazing because we just did a show. I just did a show last week, a gentleman named Rahul Singh, and he has his own podcast, the the Bearded Mystic podcast. And he basically spoke the same way you just spoke about how looking at it, if I harm myself or if I harm others, I harm myself. If I'm nice to others, I'm nice to myself. Putting that back in a, a kind of a way that people feel more connected Absolutely. and people feel like their energy means something. Like I'm not going to go out and just do right by myself and not by anybody else. Cause that means if I'm only thinking about myself and not really taking others perspectives in mind, like I might as well be doing it to myself. We're all connected. And the fact that within a two week period, two people from different backgrounds are having the same conversation or, or mentioning the same thing conversation about this connectiveness we have to each other in a world that is split, divided. I just want to, you know, play devil's advocate all the time. I don't want to listen to your point of view. Sometimes you just need to listen and talk and be empathetic to those that are around you. Right. And when we think about the divisiveness, we have to think about who is creating that divisiveness because it's not something that is orchestrated within our own communities within themselves. It's something that feels of higher power that they believe that they have a higher power in order to create that divisiveness around the communities and around the world. So when we think about the dynamic and not being able to play into that, but to be able to look at someone and just when you see someone cry or when you hurt someone, there's no way that it feels good in the essence of who you are. And if it does, then there's obviously something wrong in the disconnection of your emotions, or there may be a, a significant mental health illness that is there that can be more leaning towards a sociopath where there is no empathy. There is a massive lack of moral integrity. So when we think about that concept and even them, like there's a love for them and compassion for them as well, but it never feels good in the essence to hurt somebody else or to see somebody else hurting. And when we put ourselves in the actual feeling of that and not just, you know, we see it and we just discredit it because it hurts too much. It's almost like we discard it because it hurts too much to see someone homeless on the street or see someone that is crying. And it's easier to ignore it and to avoid it than it is to actually deal with it. And that's how we are disconnected from our emotions. That's how we are disconnected from our communities. That is how we are disconnected from one another. When we're able to do something beautiful for someone and we are able to be love for that person, how incredible does that feel in every essence of who you are? Absolutely freaking amazing. If I were to ask you the question, what makes you happy? Is that what makes you happy? You know, just being able to be there for other people and provide that kind of help with their energy and just making sure others are taken care of. Does that make you happy? That makes me so happy. And that is my inspiration every day to get out of bed. And this is what I am intended for. And I believe this is what my soul was created for. 
And there is nothing more rewarding to see someone take power over their life and to take control and take accountability over their life and to grow from that and to evolve in that in the pureness of who they are to their most purest essence of who they are, which is their soul. And that says a lot about you. And let me commend you on on the work that you're doing. And if you wouldn't mind, kind of walk us through your day, because I know that from the limited interaction I've had with you, you do make sure to take care of your energy and, and kind of really notice what is going on around you from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep. What is your day like? Honestly, I don't plan my day like that much unless like I have like engagements or commitments, but I allow free flow. I allow my energy to go wherever I need it to go. And I don't like to restrict my energy throughout the day. As I believe routine is important for a lot of people, for me, I don't do so well on routine. I need to have, I'm an adventurer. I am a free spirit. I need to feel free and I need to feel like I am making my choices and I have that sovereignty over my schedule over my day. But for me, it's important is to always stay connected to my ancestry and to be connected with spirit and with my energy. So for me, journeying is really important. Doing smudging ceremonies is very important. And for those that don't understand what smudging is, smudging is a thing that we use in our indigenous culture here in Canada. And we burn like herbal medicines, we burn wild tobacco, sweet grass, cedar, And we cleanse our energy and we clear our energy and we ask for the highest good to serve us. So for me, it's just about being able to be present with my children, being present with my partner and still moving forward with my soul's mission. And however that may show up that day and to be able to receive and not be constricted to one way of my life showing up or that I'm going to, you know, attain another client or anything like that. I just allow that flow and trust in the process and trust where I'm being guided as I'm always taken care of, as we are all taken care of. And you kind of mentioned the relationships that you have in your life. And, you know, one of the things that you mentioned on the show that you do and and your website is enlightened relationships. And I kind of want you to talk about that a little bit. What does that mean? How do you use them and how can other people, you know, learn more about what is an enlightened relationship. Absolutely. So enlightened relationships is not your typical relationship. An enlightened relationship is where each party actually loves themselves into the infinite of who they are and loves themselves unconditionally and is continuously working on themselves to evolve so that they can be the best person that they can be. When you have one partner that is unwilling to work on themselves and the other person is consistently working on themselves, it's not a balance. It's not a supportive system and it will not last over time in the essence that that person is growing unless that person can be very cognizant that they're still trying to bring their partner along. So when we have an enlightened relationship, we are focusing on goals and we are setting things together, visions together. We're not working one against another. It's not about separation of tasks. You do this, I do this, and we're separate entities. It's how can we work together? How can we love each other unconditionally, no matter what mistakes we make throughout our relationship and support one another and help guide one another in that time of need? having that exuberant passion for that person and for the life that you are both working towards. That is what an enlightened relationship is. And being able to remove 
all of that conditioning that, uh, you know, a husband has to do with certain things or a wife has to do with certain things and understand that whatever needs to be done in a household just happens together in simultaneously as a team opposed to one against another. And I'm going to follow up on that. And in enlightened relationship, in your personal, professional opinion, how does a couple work through conflict, whether that conflict is an internal conflict as in an argument or, or a disagreement or an external conflict that a person is being pulled one way by another part of their life? Like, how does that couple that's an enlightened relationship work through any type of conflict? Absolutely. And when we think about a typical relationship, it's like fights over really minute things or really silly things, but there's usually always a bigger purpose, but they're not able to communicate well enough in order to understand that that's what is triggering or activating them. And it's not to say in an enlightened relationship that you're not still triggered and you're not still activated. Of course you will be. You're going to heal through things together, but it's learning how to work through it together opposed to against each other not giving the silent treatment, not going to bed angry, all these things and being able to communicate with one another. You know, I'm realizing I reacted and taking accountability for my actions. I realized, you know, you did this, but I reacted a certain way. And by doing some self-reflection, I realized there's a trauma there. There's a trauma that maybe I don't feel loved or that I never felt worthy of good love or that I always felt like I was maybe abandoned or neglected. And this is what triggered me to feel that way. How can you help me heal this alongside me, right? And not being against one another like a war. We're together and we're fighting the war together. So when we think about an enlightened relationship, It's about being real with one another, being able to communicate. And sometimes you won't instantaneously know what you're being triggered by or why it's triggering you, but it's knowing that no person, no external force can ever affect your emotional regulation unless you allow it to, unless there is a trauma, there is something that you have experienced that is allowing that for you to have that reactivity to what has transpired. So it's all our own inner work. It has nothing to do with the other person. Nobody can truly hurt us from an external perspective in that sense. It's all about our own emotional regulation. And why did I feel activated to feel that way? Why did I feel like I had to, you know, put out my defense mechanism? Why did I feel like I, or that I needed to retreat and just kind of be in solace and solitude? It's just about asking those questions and kind of digging a little bit deeper. So I know that we probably have some people listening to the show who probably think, I get it. I understand that. I understand what she's saying. I understand what they're talking about, but I really want my partner to be on this journey with me. And I really want them to not only love me, but I want them to love themselves also. In those situations, how would you mentor someone into starting those conversations? And these are, I mean, these are tough conversations that you have to have. And it takes people being intentional. It takes people being transparent. And it takes little toughness too. So how does somebody start that conversation? Absolutely. So what I'm really going to say here, and that's such a great question, because what I'm going to say here is that it's not our job to move forward and to help and to push anyone forward into their journey or to push them to go on a journey that they are not prepared for. They need to be prepared prepared for that journey on their own individual time. They need to go through their own awakening periods, but there are ways to trigger those awakening periods. 
So what you can do is by leaving small little pieces here and there of literature or that they're seeing that you're listening to that podcast that is really helping with your self-development or helping with an issue that you're struggling with. Or if you know that they're struggling with something, listening to a podcast that has resonance with them that can have that aha moment for them or, hey, oh yeah, like I feel that way too. And yeah, I've reacted that way too. Oh, maybe I should tune into this a little bit further. It's not up for us to be that conduit for them. It's not us for them, like for us to be their coach or to be their guide. We're there to be their partner. And when we leave little droplets of seeds and, you know, we allow those seeds to flourish and we nourish them with the love and the compassion and the understanding for where they are in their journey in this moment and meeting them where they are in in their journey in this moment. That is what true love is. That is what unconditional love is. They don't need to be in the exact same alignment as you at the exact same time. But if they're growing and if they're continuously slowly growing, then they're growing at the pace in which they feel comfortable because they won't feel comfortable unless they feel safe and they won't move and they won't shift in their life unless they feel safe to do so. So when we think about our journey and we think about you know, oh, like I'm so enlightened and I'm learning so much. Like my husband is nowhere near me in the way that I've had spiritual involvement, but he's still on his own path and he's still evolving as we go. And I'm just able to help him if he has questions and to kind of guide him. Should he ask me if for my guidance, but I don't willingly offer it. I allow him to ask or to seek it from me. And when we think about relationships and we think about the guidance, when someone sees that you're doing really well for yourself and that you've shifted an aspect of yourself and that you're no longer being activated about things that you used to be activated and you're not reacting the same way or you're not having the same cycles or patterns that you used to, it has them asking a little bit more deeper questions like, in the sense, like, I want to feel like that too. How do I feel like that too? How do I get to the place where they have this sense of inner peace? I want inner peace too. I want growth too. I want to follow my soul's mission too. And when we change our epigenetics and when we change our coding, we're also changing the coding throughout our family dynamic, right? We're always going to be changing our children. Our children are going to see us grow and they get an evolution of us where they want to evolve to because now they're role modeling after us. And we put that imprintation within their energy fields. And it's the same thing. If only positive things are happening within our household, if only great things are happening within our household, the other person is naturally automatically going to want to be gravitated towards those things as well and to be in the best of them. And that is such a good point because I have two kids also, you know, young girls and their brains and minds are very malleable right now. They're very impressionable, eight and nine. And I apologize, eight and seven. I don't know. I'm trying to age them. I don't know why I'm doing that. Um, <laughs> wow. But, you know, one of the questions, if you're not a parent listening to this, and, you know, every parent knows this, is that either you're going to ask somebody something about being a good parent, or you're going to receive that question on, you know, how do I make my kid do this? Or how do I be? And our kids emulate us. Our kids see what we're doing. And I literally have a mini me that lives in this house. (laughs) And everything, you know, she sees daddy dress up in, in workout clothes and hoodies. And guess what she owns? She has workout clothes and hoodies. And it's the cutest thing in the world. And every pair of sneakers I have, she's like, oh, daddy, I want those sneakers. And she, you know, and 
the thing about being a good parent, and I kind of want you to talk about this a little bit because you mentioned this, is that it doesn't take, you know, that as much as we think, like we don't have to be perfect all the time. We don't have to continually, you know, feed our kid the perfect meal, put them to bed at the right time, read with them every night. Like we can just be ourselves, but make them understand that we're here for them. The things we do are like when we stay physically fit, they see a parent staying physically fit. When they see us going to bed early, they want to go to bed early. When they see us eating the right foods or how we speak to people who are not in our families, the energy we give out and the energy we allow in the house, they are going to learn that through us without us teaching anything, just through the actions we take. And I feel like a lot of what you're saying kind of goes with that. Like it doesn't, it, I don't have to sit down in front of a board and teach my girls, hey, this is what you do here. This is what you do there. It's all about my actions as a father. Yeah. And I think that it's really important to understand, and this is a different concept for a lot of parents out there, but this is the concept that and I raise my children because I believe in honoring who they are at the authenticity of who they are and honoring their gifts and abilities. And we're able to be the parent. We don't need to be a perfect parent. There is no such thing as a perfect human being. And the lessons that we are going to teach them doesn't mean that those are the lessons that they need to learn throughout the entirety of their journey. But when we are the parent and we're able to stand back and we're able to witness and observe their journey and be there in offerings of guidance, be there in offerings of support and of love. That is what true parenting is and allowing them to make decisions for themselves, allowing them to have that sovereignty over their being and over their choice of free will and of free thought. Understanding that we also have to explain, you know, the cautions of keeping them safe and, and that, of course, like absolutely we're going to do that. But it's about if something isn't hurting them and it's not hurting them physically or going to, you know, be something that is catastrophic, then allow them to follow it, allow them to explore it because they need to make their own mistakes. That's the best way that they can learn, right? And as much as we emulate a good representation of staying healthy, having a good household, sometimes that can also create resistance within a household because they don't feel like they're that exact person that their parent that they're trying to emulate. And that's okay, but it's about honoring where they are. That life choice that you did today by hitting someone or by hurting someone, how did it truly make you feel in all the essences of who you are? How did it make your heart feel? How do you feel by doing that? What did you learn from that? And having that kind of dialect and having those dialogues with them so that they can actually be able to have that self-reflection because that is a powerful tool to take accountability. You know what? I really didn't like hurting that person. I really didn't like that I said a bad word to that person. It didn't make me feel good. It made me feel good in the moment, but you know what? It's not sitting right with me anymore. It's not sitting good on my heart anymore. What do you need to do from that? Right. And asking those questions, what do you think can resolve that? What do you think that you need to do in order to feel better? And just being able to witness what they, the choices that they make, because this is their journey. This is not our journey. We don't own our children. When they are 18 and they no longer live in our households, we don't own their life. Right. And we never have owned their life. We're here to be their guides and their mentors. That's so well said. And you know, that fine line of 
protection, but letting them learn on their own is something that none of us get totally right. And you mentioned that there's no perfect parent. There's no perfect human. But every day, if we stay in that growth mindset, which you've kind of talked about, that mindset to that we want to continue to learn, continue to grow in our relationships individually. But one of the things that I definitely want to ask you before you go is I want you to talk about what does it mean when someone, in your opinion, is self-aware? What does it mean when a person can just slow down, can be either you know, by themselves in a quiet space or you know, what does it mean to you when, when someone reaches a level where they're self-aware of their feelings, of their goals, of their desires, of the things that they want to get out of life? What does that look like to you? Absolutely. When someone is self-aware, really what I believe, this is the path to unconditional love. Because when we're able to take accountability for our choices and understanding that not everything that happened to us was like, was of our doing or was of our control, but understanding that we still have accountability in order to ourselves, in order to heal, in order to actually be able to explore why we feel the way that we need to. When we're able to exude self-awareness and we're able to go within and reflect within, that means that we are able to contend with the darker, the lighter components of who we are. We are able to accept the duality that we offer within ourselves and that we can allow our shadow to kind of come to the forefront and not suppress aspects of ourselves. By not suppressing, you know, that we're maybe quote unquote, what people call nerdy or jokester or whatever that we were told was unacceptable in any level and that we can truly just be able to be ourselves within ourselves and to be able to identify that, you know, like today, what do I need? What do I need to be self-aware? What do I need to know to be cognizant of my surroundings? What do I need to know to be a better person today? Should I want to be a better person today? You know, like there's going to be days where you don't want to show up for the world and you don't want to serve others and you just want to be in your own feelings. And that's also perfectly healthy, right? It's perfectly healthy to experience all of our emotions as a human being. We have over 27 emotions and we need to be able to feel every aspect of them and to not suppress or oppress any aspect of that. So just being self-aware, I'm feeling sad today or I'm feeling bothered today. Why am I feeling bothered today? What's truly bothering me? Oh, you know, that person said a rude comment, but why is that bothering me? Like just digging down a little bit deeper because it's never just because someone did something. It's because it's activating something within us that is allowing us to feel that disruption and allowing our emotions to be irregulated. And I, I really appreciate you answering that question because that is, in that full transparency, I may have asked that more for me than, any, than <laughs> anyone else because I, I have been on that journey for a while now, just trying to become more self-aware, living in the moment, kind of realizing what my feelings are at the time and why things make me feel the way they feel. And I think if you're listening to this and you know, you're just in a spot where you seem stuck, you seem, you know, you're in the same place. And, you know, that journey of becoming self-aware and asking yourself why you feel like really and not asking why in a way like, oh, why? No, but really digging down into that question and that answer for yourself. Your why should make you cry. That's what I say. Because if we're not getting to the point where it makes you emotional, then it's not the real reason on why you're being activated and why you're reacting in the way that you are. I may have to steal that from you. So I'm just going <laughs> to let you know, <laughs> know that right now. 
You're absolutely correct. You're absolutely correct. And as runners, people who are listening to the show, like we will get some nagging energy and say, oh, it's, it's, uh, this is strain. I can, uh, I'll ice it, be good to go. And it's like, sometimes your why is a little deeper than a minor injury. And we need to really focus on ourselves. We really need to focus and invalidate our own thoughts and feelings. Yeah. And nothing is done by accident, right? Any injury is not done by accident. It's either telling us to slow down and to do some self-reflection and to do that inner work, or there's something happening with the energy field that is causing the disruption for that to show up as an injury. Roxanne, this has been amazing. I do have one more question, but before I ask that, I want you to go ahead and plug yourself. How do people see what you're doing? How do they get in contact with you on social media? What are the ways they can get in contact with you? Yeah, absolutely. Anyone can connect with me through my website at www.roxannechaput.com and all of my social media handles are under that name as well. I appreciate that. The last question I'm going to ask you, and I save this for, for last because I really want you to be able to explain this. What is a celestial shaman to you? <laughs> so a celestial shaman. So I know that I have lived countless lifetimes as a healer and that I, my soul was created to be a healer. And I know that my connections to the angelic realms is very strong and that is where I seek my guidance. And that is where I get my healing modalities in combination with the generational earth shaman. So I do come from a lineage of earth shamans. And in combination, it just makes the shamanism that much more powerful. Anyone that I've worked with that has worked with other shamans before, it's very different. And it's, it's extremely powerful. Well, Roxanne, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on the show and speaking with us. I really got a lot out of this and I just thank you for your time. I think our, the, the listeners definitely did too. As always, everybody, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to the website to sign up to get up to 20% off of your first order. Roxanne, you have a gorgeous rest of your day. Take care of that family. Take care of yourself. And I wish you nothing but success in your future. Thank you so much, Mark. It was such an honor to be here. Thank you. Thank you.